It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.07 on a Saturday morning, 67 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful, do whatever you want to do. If you don't want to do something, I'll tell you how to be successful in avoiding it. And if you do want to do something, I will tell you how to be successful in making it least likely to have to do it again. If you have a question about your lawns, your trees, shrubs, flowers, bugs, critters, anything else about the natural world that you just need to know something about it, Give me a call, 404-872-0750, 404-872-0750. You can tweet me on Twitter. Use the hashtag AskWalter with whatever your question is. Give me some details in your question so that I can take a stab at answering it. Ashley will read it on the air, and we'll try to answer your Twitter questions as well. First in line this morning, Ola is in Decatur, and Ola joins us on Lawn and Garden. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Um, I have a question concerning my tomato. Yes, the 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 plant itself is growing, but the leaves is turning. They curling and they are very hard on the end. Huh. Well, now that's interesting. Hard on the end is interesting. Curling, I can explain, but tell me more about the hard on the end part, Ola. You 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 know if the the they just. Um, reaffirm on the end. All of the leaves affirm. Does the plant seem to be growing normally? It just has the hard leaves, or does it seem to be stunted or giving some more symptoms of what's going on? It, it seemed to be, well, they're not as tall as the other plants that I planted them at the same time. Uh-huh. And and the the whole plant from ground up all of the leaves are curling all the way up the stalk, and it, you know, you can see through it. It's just very skimpy. Let me let me ask a question, just for out of the clear blue sky to ask: Are you mulching the tomatoes with either lawn clippings or hay or something like that? I I did put some newspaper around them. Okay, but not lawn clippings, not hay. No. Okay, good. The reason I ask, are you, and did you? You didn't happen to mix in uh, horse manure or something into the soil before you planted them, did you? No, I didn't. All right. I'm, the reason I was asking those three questions pretty quickly there is because I mentioned very early in the show when I first came on this morning about the possibility of herbicide damage on tomatoes and other things this time of year, mostly by accidental spraying is what I was referring to when I talked about it earlier. But the other way that tomatoes sometimes get affected by herbicides is by being mulched with somebody's yard clippings that just sprayed the yard with Weed Be Gone, or somebody who used a hay that came out of a pasture that they just sprayed the pasture for weed control, not knowing that the hay was going to be used under tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And it will cause tomatoes to have very unusual-looking leaves. They're very oddly cupped and twirled and twisted and strappy kind of leaves. So... 
not having a camera between you and me right now, I can't see your leaves particularly. But that was something that made me think, well, maybe she has herbicide damage, but you've avoided my my leading questions there, <laughs> that you didn't but, put but, any manure, you didn't put any hay down, you didn't put any grass clippings down. So none of that now, seems to now, apply. Now, I did put grass clipping down in the fall, mm -hmm. and then I turned it under... Um, this spring, yeah, that should would it last gone. that long? No, I don't think so. There, there are some very rarely used on homeowner lawns. There's some herbicides they use on golf courses and uh, professionally managed golf uh, green areas that can do damage by the clippings. The chemical will stay in the clippings for several months. But I doubt that you have a professional lawn kind of person like that coming out to your house and taking care of your grass in that way. But just regular lawn clippings last fall should anything that's on them would be uh, gone, disappeared by the spring, certainly. Oh. Certainly. So we haven't gotten to the, to the bottom of it, Ola, and I don't have many other questions to ask that would give me the right answer for you. So the best I can say is this is one of those, you know, things in your life when you go to the doctor and he says you have to wait for a week and come back and let me know how the symptoms develop mm -hmm. and in this case I may say wait a week and call me back and see how the symptoms have developed so I'm thinking we may have a date for next Saturday morning and you can call me up and say Walter my tomatoes is not looking good now or you can say, Walter, you know, it all cleared up and I've got a tomato growing on it. So, well, it's this been going on now for about maybe three or four weeks. Wow, that's a long time for trouble like that to happen on tomato. Mm -hmm. If you have any way, Ola, to send, to take pictures with a camera phone or something and to send them to my website, there's a button on my website that says Contact Walter and it gives you an email program and you can upload pictures there. But a picture here might help me a little bit more, but that's the best I can offer to you. Okay, I'll ask my daughter to take sure, some pictures. Sure, sure, sure. Let her take pictures and send them on to me, and I'll be happy to look at them and see if I can add anything to it. Okay, well, thank you very much. It's great talking to you, Ola. You too. Good morning. Bye. I'll see you soon. David is in Atlanta, Georgia. David Georgia's on Lawn and Garden. Hey, David, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm well. What can I do for you? Well, my Labrador has a question for you. He right. wants to bring Spanish moss from the Florida Panhandle and put it on a live oak here in the city of Atlanta. And wondering, will it do anything? Will it do anything bad to the tree? All that kind of stuff. Well, I, I speak pretty fluent Labrador, so the answer is oof, 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 oof. So, uh, can you help me then? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you need the Labrador owner language now. You, need. <laughs> you can certainly bring it up, but it's not going to live uh, long here. It won't establish itself and grow on our nice trees in Atlanta, uh, mainly because of wintertime cold. The, the Spanish moss can't stand cold. And you know, as you drive down through South Georgia, that there's sort of a line that all of a sudden, you see, the Spanish moss is starting to appear on the trees and gets heavier and heavier as you get closer to the coast, Savannah and Amelia Island and down through there. And it's all temperature-related and sometimes humidity-related, but mostly temperature. And uh, if you want to bring it up, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Birds will love it. Birds use it to make their nests, and that's a perfect uh, okay. thing. But it just won't do anything here. Uh, but it won't establish and grow and spread like it does in the south of the, of the state, no. Okay. 
right. Well, you, you. You know, be, be, for your Labrador, I got some more information for your, your lab, David. And that is that Spanish moss is more kin to a pineapple than it is to any other plant in your garden or in your in, in your environment because it is a it is one of the bromelias in the bromeliaceae family and if you look at the flowers then they're tiny they're eensy weensy little bitty flowers but that after all is how scientists divide plants is how the flowers are similar and dissimilar to each other and the flowers of a strand of Spanish moss are more kin, again, to the uh, pineapple family than anything else around. And that it gets all wild. its nu- nutrition from just simply the mist, the air, the rainfall. That comes uh, out okay, it, so. so that's why I like the humidity in the coast so much. Yeah, that's part of it. That's part of it, yeah. too. Sure. Yeah. sure. Okay, well, live and learn. Live and learn, but have fun. All right, thank you, sir. All right, man, we'll see you soon. Tell the dog we said hey. All right, bye, Alan. All right, all right. <laughs> Woof, there we go. Alan, Alan, Alan's in Buff, Buford, Georgia, and Alan joins us in the lawn and garden. Hey, Alan, good morning. Hey, hey Walter. I uh, I don't speak Labrador, but I do speak Great Dane. Ah, Great Dane, Great Dane. <laughs> Ashley's learning Great Dane right now. She got a little so, Great um, Dane puppy last week. On, on the side of my house, uh, my uh, daughter and I built a little uh, rickety picket fence to keep our Great Dane out of the side yard. Good luck so with that. We could do a uh, victory garden. And we planted everything that we could uh, pronounce and find. And so everything is coming out of the ground. And we planted everything, I guess, in mid-April. Yeah. Um, and so we've got jalapeno peppers and tomatoes and carrots, radishes, two kinds of lettuce, beans, cucumbers, uh, you know, all sorts of things. And when we planted the, we planted everything from seeds. And when we planted the lettuce, the seeds are so small, they're almost like dust. Oh, you sure? And tiny. I know we did not do a very good job in our spacing. And so as things are coming out of the ground, it seems like every single bean that we put in the ground, green beans, uh, is sprouting and everything has flowers, everything looks happy. But I wonder, I've got a neighbor who has nothing invested in my garden except the potential to eat what comes out of it. Right. And he's telling me I need to cull these rows, uh, you know, and, and thin yeah. it out so that the, the stronger plants can take off. Uh, generally speaking, that's true. Um, you don't want six bean plants in six inches. That's way too close to each other. They compete with each other, and we won't get many beans off of vines that are competing that that heavily. On the label, on the package that you've got that had the bean seeds in it, usually it'll tell you the spacing that it needs to be for beans. Most of the time, 10 to 12 inches is about right. For tomatoes, a little bit more than that, 14 to 16 inches. For lettuce plants, depending on the variety, whether it's head lettuce or leaf lettuce, it can be as close as 4 inches and as far away as 10 or 12 inches. So the best thing to say is simply read the seed package and see what spacing it recommends for that particular variety because it will vary from variety to variety and and do it that way. If you need to thin them, you can either try transplanting or, honestly, what I do many times is take a little pair of scissors and go out there and just scissor out the ones that are the weakest and are too crowded up together. Scissor here, scissor here, scissor here, and just cut them out a little bit. And that way you get them thinned. And you don't damage the plants by trying to pull them up or transplant them to someplace else. So when you say scissor them out, just cut them back to the ground. Yeah, just cut right at the ground level. Okay. Yep. And that's I'm I'm worried that 
if I uh, if I don't do something, maybe maybe nothing bears any. Uh, any I, th- I think that is a, wor- is a legitimate worry that if you don't do anything, there's going to be too much competition. You won't get many of anything. You're right. So you're saying I should have held on to those seed packages from six weeks ago. <laughs> that's pretty much what I think. <laughs> <laughs> Reading between the lines, that's exactly what I'm saying. So go back and see if you can find some more at the store and uh, take notes, put it on a pad of paper on your iPhone and uh, take the notes and come back and space them correctly so you do get a harvest from them. i got to go. Thanks for calling, though, man. It is 719, and we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be in the high 80s today, 86, 87, perhaps a little overnight, 69. Enjoy it today because tomorrow has a little bit more chance of rain. We might have 20% chance to 50% chance of rain tomorrow. Overnight highs are over tomorrow highs in the mid-80s like it is today, and overnight lows in the high 60s like it is today. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Kathy in Cartersville joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Kathy, good morning. Good morning. Hi. Um, I have a question for you. My mother she lives in Crossville, Tennessee, had three knockout roses planted around her um, mailbox. Yeah. They were just beautiful. But this last year they didn't look quite as well, and this year they came out looking really strange. I mean, um, the, the leaves look like... Uh, brooms almost Ooh, and, and they're yeah. they're dying i mean they're and the flowers look distorted sure um so i think you've talked before about some kind of disease that roses get yeah rose yeah. rose rosette virus is what it's called it was a featured subject of my atlanta journal constitution article this past thursday with a big picture of exactly what you're describing the flowers looking sort of malformed oh. and broomed over mm-hmm. and it's not looking right You've described mm-hmm. it perfectly. I have no uh, lack of confidence in saying, Kathy, you need to go dig them up and throw them away. There's no cure for the virus. That's what I thought you'd said. And and we can't plant knockout roses back in the same place, correct? Not for a couple of years anyway, just to make sure none of the root sprouts that might come up if you leave some roots in the ground, the virus can stay in those sprouts or in those roots for a while. So we wait a couple of years before planting a rose in that place, and that's you just leave it open or you plant another shrub that's not a rose in there that won't get the virus. Basically, that's what you have to do. I got to go, though, Kathy, but it's great talking to you, but I think the rose has got to go, too. It's 728. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.35 on a Saturday morning, 67 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do or give you support of whatever you don't want to do in the garden. And all you have to do is call 404 872 
750 Your question will be answered while you wait. Kara is in Powder Springs and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Kara, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? Hey, I'm fine. How can I help? Good. Um, we have a fig tree on the side of our yard. It appears to be a mature tree. We've only been here a few years and just discovered it. Um, anyway, the neighbor has an oak tree kind of towering over the um, the plant. And yeah. I know that I don't know what the true shape of a fig tree is supposed to be, but this one appears it's like about 15 feet wide and only about maybe seven feet tall. And it doesn't mm. appear to have any main um, trunk. Ah, it's just okay. kind of shooting out of the ground in all sorts of weird places, like it's just trying to get light. And I'm not sure what, if we should move it or what we should do about it. Well, I think the shape is probably normal for a fig. They don't have okay. a trunk, per se, like a like an oak tree does. It has a central trunk, and then the limbs come out some feet above ground. But for a fig, it's much more likely you have multiple trunks going in different crazy directions, and each one okay. rising and falling and rising. So you have sort of a... A rounded bush would be my description, and it'll be anywhere from 10 to sometimes 20 feet tall and 10 to 20 feet wide. It can be a big thing. Figs are big. Well, I'm wondering, the oak tree next door is, I mean, just towering over it, and I'm wondering if that is a problem. Don't they need a lot of light? They would love the light. Light makes figs. Light makes the fig grow sweet and big, and so... Any uh, Anything you can do to help that oak tree not shade your fig, the better off the fig sure. will be. More figs you'll get. Okay. Well, I might need to ask my neighbor if we can help her trim up that tree then. <laughs> that would be n- very neighborly of you. It sure would, Kara. <laughs> well, thank you, Walter. You All have right. a great day. Good luck with the fig. Okay, bye-bye. 7.38 on a Saturday morning. Who's turning next in here? Barbara. Barbara's in East Point and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Uh, I have a sick couple of sick uh, pecan trees, and it's a scab of a looking thing. They're bumps, and they're mm-hmm. on the top of the leaf. Sure. Uh, the leaves are not uh, are not dropping yet, and uh, it was on the trees last year, but I thought it would go away, and when it, <laughs> this year, it, it's back, it's Can back, again. and uh, I'm wondering if I need an arborist to come out and look at it, uh, the trees are about, oh, gee, I'm not a good guesser, but I, I imagine they're at least 40 to 50 feet okay. tall. They're old trees, I, and uh, they're in my front yard. And I can uh, tell I you just, what the problem is. As soon as you said pecan and then you said scabby, immediately I knew what you had. I knew what uh, it was that Barbara had on her pecan leaves. It's a gall, and I'll spell it for you, but it's not important that you remember it, but it's called a phylloxera. Gall, P-H-Y-L-L-O-X-E-R-A, phylloxera gall. Uh And what it is is a little tiny, tiny little microscopic uh, mite. that The mite goes from leaf to leaf and lays eggs. Lots of mites, and they lay eggs on the leaves. And as the leaves um, feel the, the hormones produced by those eggs, they sort of pop over it. They grow over it to make this scabby, bumpy looking thing, ugly looking thing on the pecan leaves, and usually the leaves don't fall off the tree, or if they do, it's not a big percentage of the leaves anyway. And as long as the leaves stay on the tree, then the leaves are producing and making the things that make you have some pecans. So, should you do anything about it? Theoretically, yes, you could spray. There are pesticides you can spray into a pecan tree to control phylloxera. 
But how are you going to do that, Barbara? <laughs> it's not going to be easy, and you're not going to have any fun doing it. And if it's not any fun, then why do it in the first place? So most of the time, I think it's better for me to advise simply to leave it alone. Some years it'll be good. Not so many of the phylloxera bumps will be on the leaves. Some years will be a bad year where the population is built. Just know what it is and know to expect it and know that it's not going to be the end of the tree, I don't think. Well, that's that's good. Yeah. I, I didn't know if it would eventually kill the tree or not. But uh, anyway, well, thank you so much for your help, Walter. I'll spell it once again just to brag on myself for knowing it. <laughs> P-H-Y-L-L-O-X-E-R-A, phylloxera. There you go. Thank you so much. Thanks, Barbara. Have a good day. You Bye. bet. You too. Carrie. Carrie, Carrie, Carrie is in Forsyth, Georgia. Hey, Carrie, good morning. Hey, Walter. What's going on? Hey, I uh, planted some Panama red hibiscus in my yard, and the tag on there says they're cold-hardy, but I just wanted to find out how cold-hardy they are. Can I expect them to come back next year, or is there something I can do over the winter to make them better? Panama red is a swamp hibiscus, perennial hibiscus is maybe another name for them, and they do come back every year. And the general uh, cycle of things is right about now, mine are waist high, maybe a little bit less than waist high. I have two or three different kinds of the perennial hibiscus in my landscape. And nice green leaves, pretty green leaves coming out. And then in mid-June is when they start blooming, and they bloom pretty prolifically from June on through July, last of July usually. And then they get sort of tattered and droopy and other things start taking over in that part of the yard. So yours is a perennial swamp hibiscus, for lack of a better word, and it'll die back to sticks. It'll, the, the, the stems that are on it right now will die back finally in October, November usually, and you can cut them off at the ground level, maybe six inches high. Just cut them off. They're not going to do anything for you, and then wait for the new sprouts to come, and the sprouts are latish in the spring. It's my observation that they're one of the last things that I really see sending growth up when warm things come in the spring. That sounds good. I, I guess I'll buy a couple more and plant them. Yeah, big flowers. Oh, man, awesome flowers. Everybody wants to know, what is that? That's huge. Well, <laughs> so, I, I appreciate it. All right, Kenny, thanks for calling. All right, bye. Panama Red. There are all sorts of perennial hibiscus. you got Panama Red. you got Scarlet, uh, the Scarlet King, Scarlet Queen. Um, there's just regular Scarlet hibiscus. There is a Rose of Sharon. Rose of Sharon, of course, is a type of hibiscus. But, of course, remember, too, there's the tropical hibiscus. Tropical hibiscus are the ones that you see sometimes in the big box store sold as a braided stem that's about four feet high with a big ball of foliage on top of it. It has pretty hibiscus flowers. It blooms like crazy, very, very attractive around a pool or a a patio or something like that, but as its name might imply, the tropical hibiscus is one that is only going to survive winter in the tropics. You have to bring it indoors to keep it from freezing during the wintertime. Elsewise, it will be dead, and you will not have one anymore. So the perennial hibiscus, the ones that I was mentioning with the carry, then they do very, very nicely here. Just look for the word perennial hibiscus, scarlet hibiscus, perennial hibiscus, rose of Sharon. All those do just fine in Atlanta. Elisa is in Jonesboro. Hey, Lisa, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Uh, first time caller. Well, goodness, it's easy, isn't it? It's just like talking on the phone. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, we have had a grapevine in the past that bore grapes really nicely. It's a 
about 12 years old. Yeah. But when the far, a farmer uh, started growing crops in the um, neighboring field, uh, since then, we have had very few grapes. Hmm. And sometimes the leaves, uh, the new growth kind of curls up a little bit. Yeah. This year, a... Uh, uh, a tree, neck, a, you know, a orchard tree next to it. Its new leaves started curling up. We mm. think that he is spraying a herbicide, which I know he does because mm-hmm. he does. He doesn't turn over the ground. He sprays a herbicide. Uh-huh. We think that's affecting our grapevine and its production. Can that be true? It could be true. Uh, it depends on the herbicide. It depends on how it's sprayed. Most of the time, herbicides are sprayed for those um, row-clearing ap- applications. The nozzles are really close to the ground. They're really just a couple of inches off the ground, and the, the mist does not travel very far from them. But I guess it could always depend on what herbicide is using and misty, windy mist, uh, uh, day, that, you know, the weather it was when it was sprayed. Well, the Extension Service guy last year said that we should do a soil sample and test it, which we did, yeah. and applied the fertilizer. Okay, good. But but this year it looks like that um, it, it's the same thing again. And my grandson observed, he's grown, observed a the it the wind blowing it over huh. on our little orchard there. Well, well, huh. You can test for herbicides for any kind of chemical you like on your own uh, uh, plants. In other words, you could take some leaf samples of the grapevine and take them to the Extension Service there in Clayton County. But you have to specify when you come in and say, this is the chemical I want you to test for. Then they will send it to Athens and it will be tested for, for a fee. But you can't come in and say, is there some herbicide on these leaves? Because there are... 20 herbicides to consider, and each one of them would be a different fee for going through the laboratory and finding out whether that herbicide was present. So you sort of have to know what you're looking for beforehand, so you can either say, yes, it is here, or no, it's not on these leaves. And without you knowing what the herbicide name is, that would be sort of a fruitless process, I think, money not well spent. Unless you so, can go to your neighbor and say, what herbicide are you spraying on to make sure it's not hurting my grapevine? So uh, we should just say, is there a herbicide on the leaf? You could say, is there a herbicide on the leaf? But you have to say, is there a kind, this kind of herbicide, the brand of herbicide that your okay. neighbor is spraying? Well, not knowing what brand and not having to accost him about yeah. it, would we just say to the Extension Service, please check for herbicide? Can't, you can't do that, because if you just say for a herbicide, they won't they won't know how to set the machine, basically, in Athens to say, look so for exactly this kind. You, you have to say which herbicide to look for, and that means you have to see the box or the bottle or the jug from which the farmer next door gets his herbicide. And they can tell you whether or not it is or is not present on the leaves, whether it is or is not able to be blamed for this curling that you have on the leaves. But you, to prove it, you have to know what herbicide was sprayed and then to uh, test to see if it, yes, is there or no, is not there on the leaves. So that would be the only 
things suspected to be a herbicide? Not necessarily. There can also be some things that happen to plants that cause leaves to curl that have nothing to do with herbicides. It could be aphids. Aphids oftentimes make leaves curl up and wrinkle up real big. So they're insects. Uh, spider mites cause leaves to curl up and wrinkle. So don't always think it might or has to be his spray over there. It could be something different completely. And if you take it in and show Winston Easton, he's a very, very good diagnostician in the Clayton County Extension Office. And if you take several leaves, maybe some more pictures, just sort of the situation, I think Winston would have a pretty good intellectual figuring out whether this has a possibility of being a herbicide or whether he thinks, no, this just doesn't look like herbicide damage. I really think this is more insect-related or even even disease-related or something like that. So let Winston have some real good pictures and samples of leaves freshly off the plant. Well, thank you so much. All right. Winston will be on the phone on the uh, show with me when? In June, I believe. No, July. July. Winston will be here in July. And I look forward to having him here. Thanks for calling, Lisa. 404-872-0750 is the number. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Highs today in the high 80s, 86, 89 degrees, perhaps overnight lows in the high 60s, 67 or 68. Tomorrow about the same, but tomorrow a 50% chance of rain. So if you look out for that, get your gardening done today. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We've got Amanda in Decula who joins us this morning. Hey, Amanda, good morning. So how can I help? Well, um, we've noticed that we've got some sort of dark, really dark purple, black spots in the grass Mm -hmm. that are discolored. And near them, we've seen some white powdery discoloration on some of the uh, weed leaves. Hmm. If you were to go out to the dark thing, let's deal with that first. If you go out to the dark spots in the grass, would you touch that? Would you maybe say it looks oily or dusty oily or anything like that? I wouldn't say it's oily. I would say it just looks like somebody poured purple dye on the grass. Ooh, that is getting really close to what I wanted you to say. This is the perfect time of year for a disease or a thing, I guess we'd even call it. It's called slime molds, and slime molds are really, really environmentally dependent. They have, a, have, they have to have a certain combination of temperature and humidity and season of the grass's growth, et cetera, et cetera. But the symptom is large patches or patches the size of a saucer to a dinner plate size that are purplish, darkish, oily looking. And if you put your finger on it and rub it across, sometimes you see a little white dust coming off of it as the slime mold funguses, uh, fungi come off of it. Mm-hmm. My bet is you have slime mold. And for that, frankly, there's nothing to worry about. You wash it off or hose it off, broom it off or something. They will only come when there's a certain environmental combo that's perfect for that site. The white stuff on the other parts of the lawn, I think we're going to have to deal with that another day, Amanda, because I have to get out of here so quickly. 
But this slime mold on lawns is very common right now. Fescue, zoysia, Bermuda lawns, very common on them. And again, nothing to do with slime mold except wash it off. It's 7.58. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news.